Hey everyone, welcome to the Union Podcast. My name is Brian Pugh and this is my wife Bonnie. Hello there. And we are so glad that you've joined us here uh, for this episode. Um, and if this is the first time you've ever, ever heard of the Union Podcast, this is the first time you've ever checked it out. We're so glad that you're here. We are committed to helping people find wholeness in the area of sexuality, identity, and relationships and discover really the beautiful truth of the gospel of Jesus and how it plays in and how it shapes uh, sexuality and the human experience. And uh, we hope that you're encouraged and uh, yeah, you just find truth and uh, hope uh, to cling to in some very uncertain times. And if this, if you're a return listener, we're so glad you came back. That's awesome. And uh, we hope the same that this episode would be something that uh, encourages you and gives you handles to hold on to uh, in a very shaking and challenging time. Um, but we love you and God loves you and we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Um, so we have been continuing on in like a little mini series around the five keys uh, to sexual health in a faith community. Um, this is part of a kind of a tool assessment that we've developed to help leaders and ministry leaders and church leaders, pastors, be able to assess um, their churches, their ministries in three different areas, uh, staff level, church leader level, um, congregation or church community level, and then family level. These are all um, all kind of play into those three ways. So we're talking about the five keys, though. And today we're talking about transparency and how important transparency is as a leader. And when we think about transparency, it is the intentional act of making time and space for vulnerable conversations and leaders we have to go first this is not something that we can expect other people to do in our church culture and to shape because you know like you talk to church leaders you talk to um, pastors and they'll tell you culture is shaped whether you are purposeful about it or not And we cannot be expecting things just to happen that somebody else is going to do it or it's just going to happen by itself because that's not how it works. So transparency requires leaders to go first and to make intentional time and space for vulnerable conversations. That's right. And as we get started here, I just want to make sure we make note is that it needs to be tied in with the previous the previous two uh, keys that we talked about in the, the previous two episodes, which were being gospel centered and being holistically minded because this, when we say transparency, we're not just talking about airing our dirty laundry or having someone to joke with about all the like inappropriate or selfish things that are part of your life. But this is about transparency is like connected in to this desire to honor God and to see him glorified in your life and to be following him wholeheartedly. So we just want to make sure we clarify that. And so uh, we also, this isn't like transparency itself isn't just around the area of sexuality, but I just think how difficult would it be to bring up like vulnerable things in the area of sexuality if you're not doing it anywhere else either, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it is a, it's a key that will help you in lots of different areas as a leader, not just in this area of sexual health, but it's, it is essential in order for your uh, church community to thrive. So the vulnerability really is essential for you to have any depth in relationship, a place where there are no secrets. I think of Psalms 139, verse 23, where it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts, 
and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I think this needs to be our posture towards God where we're transparent before him. But then also we need to have people in our life. So, you know, we as leaders, but then also this would be the goal is that your community is full of Christ followers who are thinking this way too, where they're, they have friends, they have, you know, people in their circle who share faith with them, who are, they're willing to say, look at my life. And if you see any wicked way in me, like go ahead and talk to me about it. So we're, we're praying that to the Holy Spirit, to the Lord, but then we're also having vulnerable conversations with, with our community. I think of times in my life with the friends, right? Where I, maybe I've gone through like a time of really com- a lot of confusion. And I'm like, tell me, tell me what you see. You know, I say that to my friends. And then sometimes I'm like, okay, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to trust you because I, I don't know what to do right now, but I'm going to, I'm going to lean on you and your, your insights. Tell me, am I wrong here? That kind of stuff. So it's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a major key within transparency is bringing back the value of confession. And, you know, values are what shape culture and what shape atmospheres within organizations and within, you know, society, but with, with also like within organizations and ministries and churches, values will always shape the culture. And I think we've let confession be something that's kind of just like reserved for like the worst of the worst. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'll confess when things get really, really bad. Or if I, I cross a line and I, I go to a web page or something like that, that's like, you know, like a big deal. I looked at porn or I masturbated or something like that. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that, but it's so important that we bring confession into the everyday life. And so we've, we've talked about it before that there's two avenues of confession. There's the vertical confession and the horizontal confession. And, you know, when we read first uh, John chapter one uh, verses nine and 10, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like what a beautiful promise. Yeah. Right. But then there's this verse 10 where it says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the truth is not in us. It's like, Oh, that, that hurts a little bit there, John. You know what I mean? You could have just dialed it back a little bit, but he's, he's putting this emphasis there that like, yes, like God is so merciful and so gracious, but don't start to pretend that you don't have things going on in your heart and in your mind and, and in your motivations and just in the secret places of your own heart. Like don't pretend that you don't have struggles in these areas. And like, I, I think struggle sometimes is like, sometimes we, we shape the word or we start to think the word struggle is like defeated, but struggle involves a fight. Struggle involves like a wrestle. Mm -hmm. And I think we all struggle. We should be wrestling against sinful desires and against the desires of the flesh. There should be a struggle. But I think sometimes we say that we're struggling and it's actually not. It's not more real. like we're saying we just got, we get defeated all the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's not really a struggle. It's just, you've just gotten given in. a little bit. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a rabbit trail, but really quickly. So we have that avenue of confession, a vertical avenue of confession where we are confessing to God. But then there's this other avenue of horizontal confession where it says in James five, that we should confess our sins one to another and pray for one another that we would be healed. Right. So there's this avenue that you are telling um, not just the worst of the worst, like you need to be confessing those things, but just you're living an honest, uh, transparent, vulnerable relationship with an other person, a real other person Mm -hmm. who's looking you in the eye, 
who can tell when you're feeding them a line, yeah. just given the the surface level of, of what you want to talk about and, and how far you want to go. Um, you need to have that, those types of conversations, those types of people that you're inviting in. And even you're modeling that as well, that you're as a leader, you're setting that, that you're starting those types of conversations. Like, Hey man, like I, man, I was just felt like I was struggling and with fear this week, I was just afraid, like afraid of provision, afraid of, afraid of, you know, church growth or how are we really doing afraid of this or whatever, you know, right? Like yeah. the, the list of things to be afraid of is ever growing. You know what I mean? Like the human condition is, is just like that. But like, I, I go like, it doesn't have to be these major things, but it starts with, it, it has to start somewhere. And as leaders, we have to be willing to have those conversations and, uh, and go first. Yeah. I think of how Paul said to Timothy, like live in such a way that your growth will be evident to all. And I think if a leader never struggles with anything, then how would people know that they've gotten stronger? Right. Whereas if there is like either from the pulpit or in conversation, just that sense of like, like what you just said, you know, oh man, I was dealing with fear or it could even be like five years ago or last month, or it doesn't have to be like, I just, this just happened today, but just that there's that, um, welcoming people into the journey with you, that they see the sanctifying work of the Holy spirit is real and active in your life. And I think that's where, when we say leaders go first, that's what we're talking about, you know? And then I think, so, you know, confession is definitely a value. And then I would say we need to make space for other people's confession because sometimes life just gets so busy mm -hmm. that people don't really know, like, are you a safe person? Is this a safe place? Is this a good time? So being intentional to ask good questions of the people that you're with, you know, to go a little bit deeper. Again, it's not just about sexuality. It could be like, hey, um, are you are you resting? You know, how are you resting? What's your work to rest ratio looking like? What's that rhythm in your life? You know, any of those type of questions that really go a little bit deeper. How's when was the last time you went on a date with your wife? Or gosh, what what books have you been reading lately? Mm -hmm. Those type of things you start to really get to know one another and give space for um, vulnerability. Now, sometimes confrontation is necessary mm -hmm. in this area of, of transparency. Cause sometimes people will be transparent and offer it. And other times they won't. And asking good questions is like a gentle way to, to initiate transparency with other people. Uh, but we do see in scripture that there are many, there are actually many examples when confrontation, like a direct something's going on conversation had to happen. And it is necessary when we want to, bring honor to the Lord's name. And so this isn't about being skeptical. Mm -hmm. This is not about being critical. This is not about being suspicious of everyone around you, you know, looking like, oh, I bet they're dealing with something, you know, especially in this area of sexuality. We don't, we're not trying to point fingers. We're not trying to like, I don't know, look down or I guess it's like get the speck out of other people's eyes. But sometimes stuff is really going on. Yeah. And sometimes it just looks like something's going on and you have the right and responsibility to, if you care about that person to ask a good question mm -hmm. or to say, this is off, something's off here. You know, I think of when Nathan, the prophet confronted David after David had sinned by committing adultery with, with Bathsheba, Nathan, gosh, that took a lot of courage. To just go and say, hey, David, I, I know what's going on here. David hadn't, hadn't walked in transparency. Well, I, want, you know, I wonder what his story would have been if he had initiated 
the confession right away, but instead Nathan went to him and gave a space for him to repent and uh, for there to be a level of restoration. There was, you know, there were severe consequences, but then there still was a chance for restoration. We see that with John the Baptist, you know, he had that same um, kind of, he went after her Herod and Herodias for sexual immorality. Uh, same with Samuel, the young prophet, he had to confront, bring a challenge to Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, when they were being sexually, like just sexual misconduct, abuse of, of women, you know, in the tabernacle. So there are going to be times where we have to be brave and confront. And I think if Brian, and, from Brian and my experience, it's worth it to say something. And uh, yeah, people are worth that difficult, awkward conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, speaking from a pastoral standpoint and that like, if you were to actually look at, you know, the Ephesians for offices of ministry, like I'm not, I'm not probably, even though I'm ordained as a pastor, I'm probably not pastoral. And I think sometimes the challenge is that pastoral people will hide themselves from prophetic, mm. truthful kind of cutting voices. Um, and this is just kind of the, this is just the temperament, the battle of, you know, the, the, the manifold reality of, of wisdom that God's given to the church in these offices is sometimes the clash that can come because the pastoral is always just wanting it to be sweet and cared for and nurturing and everything like that. And sometimes the prophetic voice, this voice of truth, which, you know, like Samuel um, to Eli, you know, and, and Nathan to David and, and all this stuff, like these were, these were hard cutting, intense individuals. Right. Right. But you have to be willing to expose yourself to a hard, the hard truth, because like, you know, we've heard like, you know, um, you know, hard truth makes soft hearts. You know what I mean? Like if we're willing to receive a hard word, it's going to keep our hearts soft right? and it's going to keep us moldable and keep us um, open and humble. Um, yeah. So I, I just, just want to throw that in there really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, again, like we've, we've developed this to be, you know, a tool to assess and to strategize um, developing health within a ministry, within a faith community. And so we have some questions here for you to evaluate. So. Do you know, here's question number one. Do you know the testimonies of your team members? Leader, do you know the testimony of the people that you're leading? Do you know um, what's gone on in their past? Do you know even maybe uh, woundedness and pain that they've experienced from the past? So where is where has Jesus met them? And this doesn't mean that you have to dig and prod for them to be there, but where what has Jesus done in their life? What has the champion done in their life in this area? Um, and then do they know your story? Does your church community know your story? And I think sometimes, you know, what we, we've, we've said this before is like, everybody doesn't need to know everything, but somebody needs to know everything. Is there somebody in your immediate circle who has the ability to possibly fire you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or get you fired or tell on you in the good sense. Like, is there somebody in your inner circle who knows your story knows your struggle, knows, um, you know, your weaknesses. Is there somebody like that? So, um, and lastly, uh, but certainly not leastly, is there, <laughs> is there a time and space available to share what the Lord has healed and is healing them from? 
So do you know the story of the people that you're leading? Do they know do, do they know your story? And does your church community or your inner circle know your story and know your weaknesses? But then also as their time being shaped and being made available for these types of conversations to go on um, and for people to vocalize what the Lord has healed and is healing them from. So we hope that this episode has been helpful and we hope that it, it helps you to cultivate transparency within your faith community, within your church, your leadership, and within the, your staff that you're leading or your ministry that you're leading uh, because sexual health is possible. Healthy churches are possible. Healthy people are possible. But we have to be willing to have hard conversations and to, as a leader, to lead first. Yeah. So if you are interested in taking a look at the full sexual health evaluation tool, you can find that either linked in our Instagram profile or right from our website, theunionmovement.com slash resources. And we can send you that full evaluation. And then you're, I mean, you're welcome to go through it yourself, but also we're here. We want to be a resource for churches um, to be able to like to strategize with them and give you some suggestions of what we've seen work and what we see is really necessary to to move forward in sexual health. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, we love you so much. And we'll see you here next time on the Union Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Union Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at theunionmovement.com. For more information, please visit our website, theunionmovement.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Union Movement.